The Story of Psychology, with your host, Professor Todd, based on the work of Dr. C. George Borey, Part 4, The 1900s. The idea of brain surgery as a means of improving mental health got started around 1890, when Friedrich Goltz, a German researcher, removed portions of his dog's temporal lobes and found those dogs to become calmer and less aggressive. This discovery was swiftly followed by Gottlieb Burkhardt, the head of a Swiss mental institution, who attempted similar surgeries on six of his schizophrenic patients. Some of these patients were indeed calmer. Two, however, died. So you would think that that would be the end of this idea. But in 1935, Carlisle Jakobsen of Yale University tried frontal and prefrontal lobotomies on chimps and found the chimps were calmer after the surgery. In order to test whether the chimps were really calmer, a colleague at Yale, John Fulton, attempted to induce a, an experimental neuroses in the lobotomized chimps. This was an attempt to make the chimps feel nervous by presenting them with contradictory signals. Fulton found that indeed the chimps were more calm. In fact, they were pretty much immune to this process of inducing a neurosis. But it took a certain Antonio Igats Moniz of the University of Lisbon Medical School to really put lobotomy on the map. A very productive medical researcher, Moniz invented several significant improvements to brain x-ray techniques prior to his work with lobotomy. He also served as the Minister of Foreign Affairs and the Ambassador to Spain. He was even one of the signers of the Treaty of Versailles, which marked the end of World War I. Now, Moniz was working with psychotic patients who suffered from repetitive thoughts, and he found that by cutting the nerves that run from the frontal cortex to the thalamus, this short-circuited that problem of repetitive thinking. No longer were the patients troubled by these intrusive, repetitive thoughts. Together with his colleague, Almeida Lima, he devised a technique involving drilling two small holes on either side of the forehead and inserting a special surgical knife then severing the prefrontal cortex from the rest of the brain. He originally called it a leucototomy, or a cutting of a nerve, but this would become known as the lobotomy. Now, some of Moniz's patients became calmer, although some did not, and this came back to haunt Moniz later. More about that in a moment. So, Moniz advised extreme caution in using the lobotomy. He said it should be a last resort. It should only be used in cases where everything else had already been tried and failed. Moniz was awarded the Nobel Prize for his work on the lobotomy in 1949. However, he retired early after a former patient paralyzed him by shooting him in the spine. But the history of lobotomies in America is tied very closely to a man named Walter Freeman. Freeman was an American physician 
who, along with his colleague James Watts, performed his first lobotomy in 1936. Walter Freeman was so satisfied with the results that he went on to do thousands more lobotomies and, in fact, began a propaganda campaign to promote the use of lobotomies. He is famous for inventing what is now called the ice pick lobotomy. Freeman became impatient with the difficult surgical procedures that were pioneered by Bonitz, that necessity of drilling holes in the skull. Freeman found that he could insert an ice pick above each eye of a patient using only local anesthetic, underneath the eyelid, over the top of the eyeball, to the thin bone in the back of the eye socket. With a light tap of a mallet, the ice pick broke through the bone. Swish it back and forth like a windshield wiper and voila. A formerly difficult patient is now passive. Walter Freeman recommended the lobotomy procedure for everything from psychosis to depression to neurosis to criminality. He developed what other people have called an assembly line lobotomy going from one patient to the next with his gold-plated ice pick, even sometimes having his assistants time him to see if he could break lobotomy speed records. If the procedure sounds gruesome, apparently witnessing it was even worse. It's said that even some seasoned surgeons fainted at the sight of Walter Freeman performing these lobotomies. Even his colleague James Watts thought he had gone too far. Between 1939 and 1951, over 18,000 lobotomies were performed in the United States and many more in other countries. Lobotomies were often used on convicts, and in Japan, lobotomies were recommended for use on difficult children. There are still Western countries that permit the use of lobotomy, although its use has decreased dramatically worldwide. Curiously, the old Soviet Union banned the use of lobotomy back in the 1940s on moral grounds. Now, in the 1950s, people began becoming upset about the prevalence of lobotomies. There were protests, and serious research supported the protesters. The general statistics showed that roughly one-third of lobotomy patients improved, one-third stayed the same, and the last third actually got worse. So what ended the use of lobotomies in America? It really wasn't the moral outrage. It was the simple fact that drugs were developed, drugs like Thorazine, drugs that were effective in actually treating and in some cases well controlling the symptoms of mental illness. And so with better alternatives, easier ways of treating patients, the use of lobotomies began to just go away. Although, not entirely. Walter Freeman kept practicing well into the 1960s. Now, there have been a very few famous cases over the years. For example, Rosemary Kennedy, who was the sister to John, Robert, and Edward Kennedy, was given a lobotomy when her father complained to doctors about the mildly retarded girl's embarrassing new interest in boys. Her father never informed the rest of the family about what he had done. And Rosemary Kennedy, 
lived out her life in a Wisconsin institution where she died on January 7, 2005, at the age of 86. Her sister, Eunice Kennedy Shriver, founded the Special Olympics in her honor in 1968. If you'd like to learn more about lobotomies, and if you'd like to hear the story of someone who actually received a lobotomy, I would recommend you to a wonderful NPR podcast titled My Lobotomy. It's the story of Howard Dully. Young Howard received a lobotomy as a teenager at the behest of his stepmother. Howard tells his story in the podcast about the changes that came over him and what it has meant for his life to have received a lobotomy. We also learn a great deal about the history of lobotomies and Walter Freeman. I have included a link to the NPR story, My Lobotomy, in this podcast. Check out the podcast artwork, and you should be able to find that link. Click on it, and it will take you right there. Howard Dully also has a book, also titled My Lobotomy. I encourage you to check out both of them. Thanks for listening to this bonus podcast. This is the story of psychology, and I'm Professor Todd.